Hi everyone, you are listening to LD Spotlight, a podcast about learning and development brought to you by Nifty Learning. I'm your host, Liz Stefan, and together we're here to learn about LD. Hi everybody, welcome back. My guest today is Karolina Rozievich. She's a learning strategist working towards creating a strong learning mindset for individuals and organizations. She makes sure that when people and companies learn, behavioral nudges, instructional design, and learning rules work in alignment. More recently, Carolina became the learning and development manager at LiveChat, and we will be focusing our conversation today on a topic that is very, very dear to me, which is what to do when you're in the early beginnings of being a learning manager. So thank you, Carolina, for accepting the invitation to talk. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted. I've prepared a list of questions here, and I'm curious to know where this conversation will take us. I expect that I will be debunking some of my assumptions about what it means to start as an L&D manager. But first, let's set the stage. What kind of organization are you becoming an L&D manager in for your role particularly, but also what kind of questions should the, the newly appointed L&D manager be asking themselves? So the role I have currently taken on is within a product company, which is quite specific because people are super focused on the quality, on delivery, on making iterations. So this IT product mindset also is strongly reflected in all the other departments of the company. Having said that, it is incredibly important what your industry is if you're entering an L&D position, whatever that might be. For me, it's product, and I'm really happy to be in such a company because the mindset of people is very much learning-oriented, which is an absolute heavenly situation, I think, for any L&D professional. Okay, so you are entering a product space. Did you have prior knowledge about this domain, or what kind of questions did you ask to become familiar with this new organization and this new activity? This particular field was new to me before. LiveChat is delivering communication tools to companies. It's a software as a service type of um, a product. So it's slightly different as well from other standalone products or apps, for example. And my initial assumption uh, when entering the company was to understand what the business model is and why the company has chosen to go this specific way so that I know what might be expected of L&D or where the pain points might be located within the organization. So whenever you're entering an organization, it is also important to, to think of what is the company delivering, how they're delivering their things, and what kind of learning gaps, performance gaps, or culture gaps might this be creating. So I would start with trying to understand the cultural setup of the company um, and the business setup, obviously. In most of my conversations with my guests, we focus a lot, or at least I insist a lot, on understanding why the learning person needs to know the business or the industry. Why is this important? This is important because we are there to support the business. We are not there for people just to learn, although I would love people to learn just like that because I'm a learning freak myself. But every LD function, whatever aspect it takes on at the end is there in the organization to support business to make people do their jobs better and be happier at work because they can grow because they can develop so at the end of the day no matter where you're starting from where you're ending is with supporting the business 
So having the in-depth understanding, some sort of business acumen, and I think it's a super important word to stress um, the term of business acumen, having that helps you move through um, the initial intricacies of the company. The next step, as I mentioned, is getting to understand the culture, but the culture is also somehow defined by the type of the business the company is doing. So simply, if you're supposed to work for your final client, your final client is the business. So you have to know it very well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. First, I want to ask, in your opinion, is it the same when you start fresh in a completely new company in this role versus being promoted or moving laterally to an L&D manager role in the same company? There are definitely um, some differences and both have their ups and downs. So when you're within the company, you're being promoted, or if there's some kind of internal mobility, then you know the company inside out. And it's maybe easier for you to start. But the downsides are that you are having the same blind spot as everybody else about the company, about the culture. So you might have a certain mindset already created or certain assumptions about what works, what doesn't work, and you don't get this fresh, untainted look that an outsider would get. Plus, you also have to get the buy-in from people to believe that within this new role, you're going to make it and that you're valuable. When you're entering a new organization, what you're giving to the company, what you're bringing to the table is usually the outsider's perspective. And there is a bias towards the outsider knowing better. So you are automatically assumed to probably bring in some more knowledge or greater knowledge or better solutions than someone from inside. And you don't have the blind spot. You're able to see much, much more. But then again, it takes you more time to understand the company, to learn it, the culture, the rules, the setup, the relations. And once you do, you might also start acquiring the blind spot of an inner person. It's not that one is better than the other. They're equally important and they both have advantages and disadvantages. But I think it's a little bit easier for an outsider to build something from scratch if you're supposed to do that. So for strategic roles, I would definitely suggest just you know looking for a, maybe a different role in a different company where you can learn a little bit more. Thank you for going in this direction because I was going to try and push and at least extract from you which one is easier, which one is <laughs> better. But thank you for explaining it in such a detailed way. So you are starting out in this new professional challenge. I'm personally very tempted to say, let's dive into the needs analysis or something along those lines. What would you say are the best steps or what is the best approach in your opinion? And is diving into the needs analysis the first thing that you do? I think it's very tempted to start with the need analysis and create certain expectations and promises and quickly deliver to prove you're worthy or to basically prove your value. But actually, I would suggest doing the need analysis as the last step and definitely not try to create promises when you're just entering the role. Simply because you have not enough knowledge and expertise about the organization, about the company, to make your promises or expectations that you have created credible and valuable. And perhaps it might turn out that at the end of the day, you cannot really realize the promises you've made. What I would start with is just to get to know the company, understand 
the relations, the processes, the people. And once you have this understanding, then you might think of coining that knowledge into uh, a need analysis, because actually it's not about not performing need analysis as such, but not calling it like that and not creating the impression that you're actually analyzing the needs of the business because people will have the tendency to give you a wish list of the solutions, maybe to valid problems, but not necessarily to valid problems. And what your role is about is to actually explore the gaps in culture and learning and performance, draw conclusions on your own, and then create a list of real needs and not wants that you would get from the business otherwise. That's why I would definitely avoid coming to someone saying, hello, my name is, and let's talk about your needs. Definitely, let's not do this. Let's leave it as the last step. I think it's worth mentioning or re-highlighting at this point that this is a journey that you're currently going through. So you're applying all of this advice that you're offering, right? It's something that is happening in practice. That's true, yes. Oh, good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, you don't jump into the needs analysis. You're still sort of in the, I don't want to say evaluation stage, but more like reconnaissance stage, right? You're getting to understand what kind of organization you will be operating in. Is this a good time to tell people what it is that you do or the purpose of your of your new role? Or is it better to you know, keep it hidden or not mention it explicitly while you're getting information from all of these stakeholders? At the beginning of each stakeholder conversation, I always make a disclaimer that at this stage, this is more for me to understand the organization, to learn it rather than for them to put forward their needs or wants. And once I make this disclaimer, I'm already starting to manage expectations. If you tell them what you do, what the purpose of your role is or not. And at that stage, in an ideal situation, I would definitely refrain from explaining what I'm going to do in general, because as I had already said, I don't know yet exactly. But in a lot of cases, people simply don't know what learning and development does. And if I say L&D, they very often ask R&D and they think about research and development. So I've already learned to give the full name of the role. And sometimes it is required to give them kind of an introduction to what learning and development does. What I do is I give a very broad spectrum of everything that falls under this umbrella term from administrative tasks to defining processes to doing workshops and live trainings to designing content, e-learning, choosing providers and finishing with a very strategic or architectural approach to learning in the organization. And I say that I might be doing all of that or just a very small piece, depending on what we discuss and, and what my conclusions are. So sometimes this background introduction is necessary for people to understand in the first place what the heck this person is doing in here. But I try to not narrow it down too much. Again, not to say I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, because this creates these expectations that at this very initial stage, I think it's still too early for. You know what I'm thinking? It's important to explain to everyone what the purpose of your role is. Let me know if my thinking is right. So that people know what flavor the answers to your questions should take. Meaning, 
you tell them what you do in broad terms. Mm -hmm. And then when you start asking them questions about what they do, what their job consists of, what their daily struggles are, do you expect that the answers should be kind of learning oriented or do you absolutely just talk about everything without a specific sort of categorization into, you know, quote unquote, learning problems? And do you maintain this sort of consultancy, let's say, mindset or approach to things? I really like the way you put it, the consultancy mindset. That's definitely something I'm trying to stick with. And I do ask them about how they operate daily. And I ask them about what their interactions with different people are, with different departments, within their teams as well. What are their struggles? What are the difficulties? And I don't point to learning in particular, because out of all these answers, you can already draw conclusions what is related to performance learning. What are some systemic problems that you may or may not be able to influence? So you do get a lot of answers already applicable to your field, which is learning in this case, but I try not to be very explicit about it. There was usually one question towards the end when I asked them how they learn or how they understand a learning organization, but I also leave it for the end so that everything else they had already told me is not getting influenced by this question, by the learning mindset, because I don't want them to get biased. And jump into, I need this kind of training. Are you the right person to deliver it to me? I did get these questions a couple of times, obviously. Or like, let, let's take what you can do for us. That's, that's also one of these elements you can expect. But I very often say, I don't know yet. Let me investigate that a little bit closer and see if this is something we can really do. Sometimes it's a very valid point, and I would definitely not dismiss the needs strictly clearly delivered to you from the business as something that definitely is unthought of or, or not analyzed enough or just a whim. Sometimes they're very much valid. So I would definitely take them into consideration, but I also might dig in the topic a little bit deeper and see if it actually is the case. So if there is something served to you, I need training in this or I need to learn this, then I would, you know, continue with the conversation to see if this actually is the problem. Good. So we're trying not to bias the conversation towards learning responses. In any case, while you're, while you're talking to people, not intentionally, they will still give you learning related insights. Even if they phrase it, for example, I struggle with all the things that I have to do in the day. Is this the kind of conversation out of which you would extract that maybe time management is a useful learning intervention? Am I going in the right direction? That is an indication of a problem. It might be poor attention or focus management skills. I would really restrain from using time management uh, as a nomenclature because it doesn't always refer to the right idea. But it might also refer to the system and how the company operates, that, you know, everything is done ad hoc, that there is no clear-cut schedule of doing things, or maybe there is no project management framework implemented in the organization. There might be a lot of reasons. This is an indication of a problem, but I don't know if learning is exactly going to be the solution yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's say you've interviewed everybody, or, well, not everybody. If we're talking about hundreds of people, most likely you will have chosen some key roles or key representatives of those roles in business functions. 
you've had the conversations with everyone. We are not calling it a needs analysis, but it's more like getting accustomed to the organization and forming your high level impression of what is going on. What do you do with that information to take action? What is the next thing that you do after this analysis? No, not analysis. Sorry, I said it again. See, it's so easy to fall into the term. What do you do after this reconnaissance step, let's call it? Absolutely. I think that calling it a need analysis is not such a bad thing because at the end of the day, that's is what you're doing. You're just not trying to bias your stakeholders with naming it like that. I strongly suggest mapping everything out to see what the conclusions are. And what you might do, you might map it against industry trends or best practices from other organizations. Anything you already have had experience about within these topics, if it's something related to people skills or time management, let's call it like that, then yes, you might have already some knowledge on how to structure this and where the problems are actually coming from. So we might work on this. So once you have done a couple of rounds of organizing and mapping, then a kind of a grooming process you've gone through, you will have these clear patterns and you'll be able to connect the dots and see very specifically what are the major fields to work on. And then you can take this information back to your stakeholders and again, have conversations with them, not necessarily tell them, yes, like this is something I found. Do you think it's okay? But have this coaching type of conversation to actually show them your ideas without showing them them exactly. So tell them without telling them and see if you got it correctly, right? Because you might also have some biases and not necessarily be seeing everything the same way. And that is the next step. I'm just curious if you can give an example of one of these patterns or something that you identified after this initial conversation. Absolutely. So one of the things that was very clear was communication patterns that are being slightly disturbed by, I'm going to say it unfortunately, but by the remote work. So in a remote environment, collaboration and communication is not as fluid as it used to be because people are simply not absorbing knowledge by accident. Social learning is not happening. It has to be very much structured and intentional. If you want people to know something, you have to explicitly tell them. It's not going to happen by chance. So this is a very clear pattern. And we're actually working on strengthening the communication and taking down silos that are actually building up in this remote environment, unfortunately, a little bit. And it's not just a case of my current company, but a lot of companies. When you take a look at the reports of, of different organizations talking about remote work, most people say that innovation is a little bit down or collaboration is down or communication is not as efficient as it used to be. So definitely this is a pattern and it basically popped out from every corner in everybody I was talking to. So this is one of the patterns. Okay, very, very interesting. Since this episode is going to be called the first 100 days as an L&D manager, are we still within this time frame? This is a window of time of about three months and a little, three months and a week-ish. What can a new L&D manager expect to achieve? Is it three months just for having these interviews? Is it three months for these interviews and also the mapping and the observation of patterns? Is it also the validation? Can you squeeze some other work in? What should be the goal or goals to achieve within this 100 days time frame? 
ideally you would have these 100 days to just familiarize yourself with uh, the situation very deeply, but it doesn't happen like that. You have to work a bit quicker. And especially if you're working within IT or for product companies, they are very much used to delivering quickly and frequently and testing, learning from mistakes. So this is the approach you should also apply to your work. I'm approaching these 100 days right now, and I have done the need analysis, so to speak, as, as we've mentioned. So I had these interviews, I had done the mapping, I had done remapping, and then some more interviews with another group of stakeholders. And I have already started designing two programs, two learning programs that resulted from these conversations and these more or less formalized need analyses. So I think that at the end of those three plus months, you should be able to deliver something just to show that this role is there for a reason and that it's a valuable role. I understand what you're saying. And you definitely don't jump into deciding and designing a learning program quickly, obviously. It, you really need to understand what you're, you know, what you're dealing with before you jump into this because it's a massive task. It is. I still feel the need to see something a bit more palpable or, or quicker. Are there other things that you can do within these first three months that don't make it look like you're just sitting and interviewing people? I hope that doesn't sound too mean, but it kind of feels like it. And I feel that there should be a couple of deliverables, quick wins, something that can happen before you start thinking about, you know, those big learning programs. Absolutely. And I totally get your point. I think it's very much dependent on the context you're in. In my specific context, we do need a little bit more time to prepare a proper strategy. So the strategy for the learning is something you can already deliver and start realizing. I think that the three months is a decent amount of time to have it all organized quite well and tested serve to your stakeholders or sponsors and getting the buy-in from them. However, in my particular case, we have a very deliberate waiting period with finalizing the strategy. And that is something specific to our company, to our business. That's why it's taking a little bit long. I have designed the strategy as well, but we're still checking if it's applicable from a lot of formal perspectives. Is it fair to say that whether you take quick action or not also depends on the scope of the role, and I'll explain a little bit the context of what I'm trying to ask. For example, if you are already in an organization that has had a learning manager previously or some sort of learning function, it's almost like people would expect you to do something. For example, have a look at the current learning offer or the catalog or assess the vendors or do some sort of survey or ask for feedback about the previous learning activities, something along those lines, versus if you are genuinely just establishing the learning function and defining the strategy from scratch, kind of like the difference between an organization that has seen formalized learning before versus one that hasn't. And then I would say that for one, it's easier to find quick wins. And for the other one, it's not even a purpose. It's more like we really need to focus on strategy first and quick wins are not important for us right now. Yes. And I'm, I'm really glad you made this distinction. There are roles that execute certain ideas and there are these more strategic roles. 
I'm somewhere in between, and definitely I do need to prepare this strategy. There have been learning interventions, learning items or programs, and I have also evaluated them, but they are becoming a part of the new strategy, and we're still trying to put all the pieces together. What you can definitely do, even from a strategic point of view, if you're waiting for something, you can declutter or clean up all the mess, because it's usually a mess, whatever you're entering the organization then you can just try to organize and improve things with little tweaks, with simple tricks, redo a session or get rid of something or change a process. This definitely can be done. I would wait at least a month or so before you start doing this. I wouldn't start my first day with saying, okay, let's get rid of all of this mess here. But this is something that definitely can be done. And it does serve you as sort of a deliverable. It makes you visible within the organization. But if you're always a little bit more strategic, then I would be careful not to seem like you're acting chaotically because you're doing something here, then you're having your strategy and it might be totally different and have a different focus. So yes, absolutely. If you're starting as a learning specialist and you're entering a team or a defined setup, then definitely there are just tasks you need to take up and you can execute them. But if you're building something, it really makes sense to give it extra thought. And that was actually the expectation of my role to take a very good look at the situation, at all the pros, cons, threats, opportunities, whatever there is, make very informed decisions about how we move forward. And this process does take time. Mm -hmm. Coming back to whether it's harder to start fresh or to be in the same context in a new role, I'm very tempted to say that it's so much easier or maybe not so much easier, maybe you'll tell me this. I personally feel that it might be much easier to establish a strategic contributor role if you start from scratch, as opposed to kind of having to reset the image of what L&D was before you started this new role and having to basically wipe the board and start fresh and try to change people's perspective and expectations and attitude, perception, basically, about what the L&D role is. Uh, definitely. I 100% agree. It's easier to bring a clean slate and not have these expectations already created by the predecessors or whoever that was. And it does give you the extra, I think, space to experiment a little bit more. And if you're making mistakes because you're trying or experimenting, I think that's much more welcome. And if it didn't work for any reason in the past, then all of your actions are going to be much more scrutinized. And I guess even as a fresh face in the organization, because people don't know what to expect from you, I think just again, intuitively, I feel like even then it's just slightly bit easier because people won't know what you're all about. So you have a chance to slowly and gradually teach them what you're all about, including resetting or re recreating, redefining people's attitude towards L&D, <laughs> maybe. The thing is that I do realize that the outcome of this short exchange on this particular topic is basically go find a job, which is not useful or healthy or productive advice because not everybody is in a position to suddenly find the L&D job and redefine themselves as strategic in the organization. But I guess it's just a cold, hard fact of the situation. 
it's gonna be easier if people don't know you and don't know about L&D. I wouldn't say definitely that this is the message I would like this conversation to leave, just go and find a job. But if we're talking about 100 days in an L&D manager position, then usually the managerial position does require you to be a bit more strategic. Let's try to recap a little bit to see where we are right now in the journey, right? You have just started this role. You interview people in the organization, trying very hard to understand what their job entails, what they are struggling with daily, what kind of needs they have, gaps, difficulties, and so on. What their role is in the business, obviously, you need to do some research and understand the domain that your company operates in. And then you take this information, you map it out, you validate again with your stakeholders to make sure that your understanding of the gaps and needs is accurate. And in parallel, while all of this is happening, you can have a look at quick wins and maybe assess the current learning offer or look at vendors or look at what's been going on so far, maybe do an evaluation of the current or previous learning offer so that you can hopefully extract some quick wins and take some action. This, I guess, touches on two points. One of them is if you want to be strategic about your role and you want people to perceive L&D as a strategic partner, then you need to position yourself very close to what the business does and make a conscious decision to positively influence business results and business stakeholders. And then another one is you also want to show people that you are able to take action and that you are not just a long-term strategic thinker, but also an action-oriented person. Is this an accurate summary so far? Um, Absolutely, 100%. Is there anything else that could be squeezed into these three months? Is this already too much work? Where are we sitting right now? I don't think it's too much work and I don't think it's too little work. It all depends on your context and the expectations of your role in general. It depends on why you're there in the company. If you're there to make a strategy, then yes, when you're entering the role, that's the main goal. Let's take some time. Let's take a look at what's going on and let's develop a proper strategy. If you're in administration, you're going to start working right away, almost immediately. If you're in a bit more operational position, then yes, you're going to start to deliver the things that had already been designed. So it's very much dependent on your role. With, as I said, managerial positions, I would expect it to be slightly more strategic. And again, it depends on what you said, whether there has already been this role, this function, the department of L&D, and if it's just a cleanup or if it's um, constructing something. There is one more thing I would like to mention here is the things that you shouldn't be doing because we have spoken a lot about the things that should be done. I already talked a little bit about not creating too many expectations at the beginning, not to overpromise because you might end up having to face something that you cannot really realize and you had already promised on that. But it's also important not to assume that certain solutions that you had applied in other contexts, other organizations will work just as fine because they might not. And obviously experience in NLD is highly valued because you have this special setup and way of thinking about solving problems for the business and that's invaluable. However, making a copy paste of whatever worked before 
to a new situation might be a trap. And I would highly advise against falling in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I totally understand that. Are there other things that you shouldn't be doing? I mean, the one thing that stands out from the beginning of our conversation is try as much as possible to leave your biases at the door. I realize that this is ooh, an almost impossible task in certain ways because we are blind to our biases. So it takes a conscious effort to try to do that. Are there other pieces of advice that you might have in terms of what not to do in these early days? Just to this whole list, I would add not take it personal. In some cases, it might turn out that whatever this great idea that you have simply will not come to life for a number of reasons. Because the business says, like, we don't have time for this. We don't believe in this. We don't have the money for this or you name it. And that's fine. That happens. And what you can do is just, you know, carry on and adjust and understand that sometimes the agility of the modern world and then of the business is simply requiring a lot of changes. And whatever is happening, just, you know, adjust and, and don't take it personally. It's not that your designs or your solutions are not necessarily to the point or on the spot. It's just, you know, the volatility of the business sometimes. It's interesting that you mentioned that. I've seen a lot of situations where there's almost like a visceral reaction of don't bother me. I'm, I'm too busy doing whatever it is I'm doing. Don't come to me with whatever learning suggestions you have or initiative or whatever. But I also feel like quite a lot of the times being so busy is a symptom of maybe not something that requires indeed a learning intervention, but still a kind of a symptom of something being slightly wrong to try to be as um, cautious as possible in, in what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. But yeah, I don't know, maybe is it fair to say that if someone's really resistant to your offer for support as a learning person, could it be that you either didn't explain it well enough or they don't fully understand the problems that they're dealing with and that there could in fact be room for learning? I think it definitely is a learning situation. It just might require a slightly different approach. And by learning, I don't necessarily mean acquiring knowledge, but just trying to get through the narrative that this person is building. Is every situation a potentially a learning situation or definitely not? It might be a little bit of a coaching job as well, just to pinpoint the biases and and try to understand that I'm not here to deliver a learning solution to you. I'm here to understand and help you solve your problems. So what are they? If you don't have time to talk to me, well, then I would dig in there. And obviously, it's not always possible to help. They sometimes will not want us to help them. And that's fine as well. You're not going to change everybody and everything. You can do your best. Yeah. I just had another thought here maybe sometimes it's even better to drop it at that point in time focus your energy on situations and people and departments that welcome this kind of support and out of that interaction which is by default starting on a positive note the good outcomes will then trickle down into all of the other teams and people who might have been reluctant initially or who consider that there's no time for this i mean hopefully if they look at successful interventions 
especially after having done so much analysis, after having validated your understanding, offering the appropriate solution, you should be able to see good results, which would then trickle down into the more, let's say, late adopters within that organization, I would hope. Absolutely. And this might be one of the ways or steps in the narrative breaking process. So do contact the early adopters or the influencers in the organization and see if they maybe can change the distractors' minds. That is also one of the strategies to get the buy-in for your actions within the organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. buy-in, definitely. All right. So I think on that note, we can close out this conversation. Do you have any sort of last-minute advice you know, maybe a word of encouragement, because I am sure that this is not an easy thing to have to face professionally. Obviously, it's quite a big professional challenge, or at least this is how I see it. And is there any particular piece of advice or word of encouragement that you'd like to share with the people that are in a situation similar to yours? One thing that is coming to my mind is that if you really feel like you need to ask about the needs or the wants, and if this is something you can't go without, a good way to approach this would be to ask, what do you think I can help you with? It also helps to manage the expectations. And I have to refer this to Donald Taylor, and, and he told me about this trick. So what do you think I can help you with? Suggests that there is potentially an option I'm going to help you with this particular topic or area, but I'm not making any promises. So if for some reason you're being pushed into making a specific analysis or asking about needs and the needs are being pushed, then hypothesizing about it a little bit might be the way. Excellent. Thank you so much, Carolina. This has been very, very insightful. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being with us today. This has been another episode of LND Spotlight. If you'd like to get in touch and join the conversation, write to me at liz at niftylearning.io or connect with me on LinkedIn at Liz Stefan. Have a productive week, everyone.